15, 1926. The night after the Mackenzie Massacre, the mercury dipped well below zero. Everything in the Cheyenne village had been destroyed by the invading cavalry. Dozens of the people slaughtered in the dawn attack. Men and women, young and old, our white women and their babies among them, cut down indiscriminately by blood-crazed soldiers wielding sword, rifle, or pistol. Those who managed to survive fled into the hills, many gravely wounded, many half-dressed, with nothing to protect them or their infants from the elements. Although wounded seven times himself that night, the great sweet medicine chief Little Wolf led the bedraggled remnants of his band across the mountains toward the village of the Lakota warrior Crazy Horse. I followed and did what little I could to aid and comfort these poor souls. It was a ten-day journey of unimaginable hardship and suffering. Eleven Cheyenne babies froze to death in their mother's arms the first night, three more the following night, including all the remaining white children. The Irish sisters, Margaret and Susan Kelly, lost both of their sets of twins in the course of that brutal march. The anguish of their grief was a terrible thing to behold. They cursed me, and they cursed the Lord in his heaven for taking their baby girls. They were a sprightly pair, Maggie and Susie. Besides Martha Atwood, they are the only white women of whom I am aware to have survived the ordeal of Mackenzie's attack and its terrible aftermath. After the death of their infants, they went quite mad. They joined various bands of marauding Cheyenne and Sioux and fought like demons in the final days of the Plains Indian Wars. They're reported to have ridden with Crazy Horse when Custer and his soldiers were killed that following summer at the Little Bighorn, and to have taken themselves grisly trophies of war there. I made many inquiries on behalf of the Kelly twins over the years, heard many rumors, but I was never able to learn what finally became of those girls. God bless them both. Martha Atwood Tanglehair, the sole white woman to officially survive the Mackenzie attack, returned to Chicago with her son, whose Christian name was Dodd, in honor of her dear, deceased friend May Dodd. I never saw Martha again, but for many years after we kept up a correspondence. She eventually remarried and had several more children. Except to say in her very first letter to me that she had delivered May's final message to Captain John Bork, Martha never mentioned the affair again, neither the Brides for Indians program nor the devastating massacre that so definitively brought it to an end. Nor did I ever learn what arrangements she had made with the U.S. government to purchase her silence on these matters. It is not a monk's business to ask such questions. And silent on the subject, Martha remained. Prologue by J.W. Dodd III Editor-in-Chief, Chi-Town Magazine, Chicago, Illinois May 14, 2015 My name is John William Dodd III. Most people call me J.W. to distinguish me from my father, the late J. Will Dodd, known familiarly as Will. I am currently the editor-in-chief of the Chicago City magazine Chi-Town, family-owned and operated, for which publication my father served in this same position for 34 years, until his recent passing. Some readers will remember my father as the man who discovered and published 1,000 White Women, the journals of May Dodd, in serial form in this magazine almost 20 years ago now. 
At the time, the journals caused quite a controversy in the academic community and were roundly denounced as fakes by the outraged history professors in various universities around the country, who argued in letters to the editor that the exchange between the Cheyenne and the whites upon which they are based, that is the trade of 1,000 white women for 1,000 horses, never took place, nor did there exist any historical evidence to support that claim. Although my father wrote the introduction to the series, he never directly responded to these attacks. To him, the search for and publication of the journals was a labor of love, undertaken out of a sense of familial responsibility, to learn the truth about the life and death of his great-grandmother, May Dodd, to expose the wrongs done to her by her parents, and to restore her good name in the family history. Dad never gave a damn whether the academics believed in their authenticity. For those readers unfamiliar with her story, in the year 1870...